welcome once again to Father Spitzer's Universe. We're still here at the intersection of faith and reason. And I'm Doug Keck, gatekeeper as always on Mother Angelica Way. Emailing your questions to us at spitzersuniverse at ew10.com is a great way for you to participate in this program. It's essential to the program. And of course, you can check out all the Father Spitzer's websites, the Magis Center one, Credible Catholic, Purposeful Universe as well. And Father Spitzer's Universe is proudly always available on our EWTN YouTube channel and the EWTN On Demand page. There's also plenty of great children's programming available on our On Demand page. Check out Masterpiece Donut Shop with Rob Evans and Duncan the Donut. Help children explore the Mass step-by-step -step with fun songs, meaningful lessons, and a little help from their neighbor, Father Joe. Have your kids check it out for free on demand. And Today's topic, we continue, this is about pride from Father's book, Christ versus Satan, in our daily lives, proudly available through our EWTN religious catalog, of course. And the book of the month for EWTN, Everyday Miracles of Lords, appropriately, true stories lived and loved along the way to the grotto by Marlene Watkins with the Lord's Volunteers. And of course, she'll be on EWTN Live. And welcome to Father Spitzer and ask him to lead us in prayer. That's what it told me to do. They're giving me helpful hints these okay. days, Father, so uh, to keep things moving. <laughs> yeah, right. If you'll do that, that'd be great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your many blessings to us, the blessing especially of this ministry, our ability to serve in it. We ask you, Lord, to send your Holy Spirit down upon us now, Doug, myself, our whole audience this day, so that everything we do and say will be brought to fruition in your will for the good of your people, your church, and your kingdom. We ask all of these things through Jesus our Lord. Amen. And Mary, seat of wisdom, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Always great to see you, Father, and be with you this week as we talk about uh, yeah. things happening in and around the church. A couple of stories out there I wanted to uh, get your reaction to. Uh, this was a story recently put out by the Catholic League. On January 30th, when uh, President Biden was walking on the White House lawn, he was asked a few questions by reporters. One of them asked about Catholic opposition to publicly funded abortions. I'm sure this was our reporter at the White House who does an outstanding job. Catholic bishops are demanding that federal tax dollars not fund abortions. His response, Biden angrily replied, pointing his finger and said, no, they are not, they're not doing that at all, nor is the Pope doing that. So as they indicated here, you know, he either is mistaken or, uh, you know, is ignorant of basic Catholic teaching about abortion and financing. Your reaction? Uh, well, my reaction is you said it already. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly the Catholic bishops have made their view, and the USCCB has made their view very well known. So uh, either Joe Biden is right about the USCCB or the USCCB is right about what the OC USCCB is doing. So I, I, I'm going to go with the USCCB over Joe Biden in this particular case, President Biden. So the, the second thing is, you know, what is the, the Pope saying? Well, I think the Pope is uh, certainly against abortion. He has made that manifest again and again and again and again. And I guess that uh, President Biden is making the Holy Communion issue being given uh, some kind of uh, a sign that the Pope is uh, either in favor of abortion 
or is passive on the issue, neither of which mm. is true. It's very clear from many, many statements of Pope Francis that he's clearly against abortion. He's made that very clear. So again, um, President Biden must have a different source of information than the Pope himself. Mm -hmm. So uh, who are you going to believe, Pope Francis and the USCCB or President Biden about what the Pope and the USCCB are saying? I would select the Pope and the USCCB. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you want to disagree, disagree, but don't mislead people into thinking yeah. that uh, somehow this is appropriate. Absolutely. Yeah. Now yeah. to follow up on our yeah, great... The uh, angry, right. angry pointing of the finger. Right, right. Well, you know, it's amazing as we talk about here in, in, some, in your book, you know, uh, when people are, are, are caught in a lie or people feel guilty, that's one uh, of the typical reactions, get very angry at the accuser, right? Yeah, oh yeah, mm -hmm. oh yeah. Anger is a great way to diffuse defensiveness. Right. So why not? You know, uh, you hit a push nerve. back on the other guy. You know, yeah. <laughs> I love right. it. Absolutely. Now, of course, we had our wonderful coverage for the March for Life and West Coast Wars for Life and One Life LA. Yeah. Uh, and here's a story that came up. Uh, there was a group of uh, kids from one of the schools down in South Carolina, and the Catholic school mm -hmm. students. Uh, were kicked out of the Smithsonian Museum in D.C. because they were wearing pro-life beanies that said Rosary Pro-Life. Uh, Our Lady of the Rosary students were moved from the Smithsonian because of that. Can you believe that? No, I haven't even heard of it until this moment, but I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. I mean, uh, talk about censorship in a public... Uh, I mean, the Smithsonian, I believe now, uh, is uh, run completely uh, by the federal government. I, mm. um, I don't think it's a, a private uh, uh, institution, or at least they're getting a lot of government funding. So I'm not sure, uh, uh, you know, if it's federally, um, uh, you know, federal um, program or whether... Um, they're just getting a lot of money right. from the federal government, but I do think that uh, freedom of speech should be observed right. uh, and respected there um, as well as any place else or any other government building uh, that's around uh, Washington, D.C., right. or at least receives a huge amount of federal funding um, to, uh, to maintain their operation. Right. Yeah, apparently there was about a dozen uh, high does. school students uh, who it happened to. So, And as they note in the story, I guess Heritage yeah. Foundation pointed this out, you know, there were plenty of other people running around with other uh, statements on their hats or on their shirts or yeah. whatever. Nobody had a problem with that. Yeah. But apparently saying yeah. rosary pro-life is, uh, is somehow threatening to people these days. Well, I, well, you know, that's grounds for a lawsuit. So, uh, you know, um, I'm sure there's some lawyers who might want to take the case on. Right. Here's another story that's kind of uh, incredibly bizarre, getting an idea, but tied into the pro-life issue. Uh, story just came out. I guess it's based on a release from something called the Satanic Temple. Uh, they're launching a religious telehealth abortion clinic in New Mexico with plans to operate others throughout the country. Uh, and they'll be providing free uh, religious medication abortion care. They're tying this into religion now. And according to the TST health website, anyone in New Mexico seeking to perform the Satanic Temple's abortion ritual will be able to receive free online medical services. And again, they have this listed as uh, 
uh, yeah, at least as a, like a religious service. There's even an attachment that talks about the ritual, okay? And, uh, and, it, uh, and, and it talks I, of, I have to tell you, Doug. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and the final thing is that yeah. the, they've named their health facility yeah. the Samuel Alito Mom's Satanic Abortion Clinic because in 1950, his mother didn't have an option, and look what happened. So. Uh, well, you know what? At long last, we have the direct connection between Satanism Absolutely. and abortion. But right. uh, we've always been saying that abortion is the sacrament of Satan, and now, of course, we have a direct recognition of it. Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, the usual, the, remember, the, the evil spirit is the prince of lies, and uh, he's uh, proving it with his good disciples here who now are saying that they are a religion and that somehow, uh, you know, abortion is religious, but that's according to the Satanists. But, I mean, the direct connection between Satanism and abortion is just uh, wonderful. And uh, when I was... Uh, uh, at the uh, Napa Institute, and they had uh, uh, some uh, uh, protesters with their, uh, you know, uh, you know, Satan be praised or something signs, uh, that, you know, going out, and right next to them are the abortion signs. I mean, it's pretty clear, you know, where the connection lies. I just would say, uh, if anybody's not noticing, uh, now's the time to notice. I mean, uh, this is a gigantic portal for Satan. And, and abortion, in, in my view, is a gigantic portal for this guy to enter not only into the lives of individual people, but definitely into our country as well, into our culture. And it has done, he, you know, Satan has done so. He's, this has been a tremendous instrument for all kinds of things. But as Pope John Paul II a long time ago indicated, it's uh, first and foremost, it's pro-death. And it's death on a massive scale. It's death to the innocent on a massive scale. And all it can do is rip your country, your culture into pieces. And at the end of the day, what's going to be left once you're extolling death? Mm -hmm. Well, the only degradation that's worse is to extol Satan. And now we have the Satanists clearly doing it for us. Please, everybody. Take notice, mm -hmm. Satanism, abortion, same line support. I mean, that's uh, pretty clear. Right. So, um, and if you want to take money from the Satanists, go right ahead. But just know who you're going to deal with if you're taking money from Satan. He always gets back a thousandfold for every little thing he gives for right. an abortion. Well, so, it does, uh, all does seem like is, in, uh, in many ways. For people who are paying yeah. attention, the mask is off on a lot of these things out there where people oh, have been yeah. hiding no, behind is, uh, words and things like that, and it's becoming more and more clear yeah. and more and more the separation well, between you know, Christianity and secularism. Yeah, yeah no, I'm and not just secularism, right. Satanism too. Satanism, right. So, uh, you know, it's the, yeah, no, it's, we, we are losing, you know, if, we, if we're not scared to death, of you know this kind of darkness pervading everywhere in our culture coming right through this portal of abortion uh, you know what will scare us to death mm -hmm. I mean as we enter into the darkness with reckless abandon turn to Jesus Christ you have no idea what we're we have no idea what we're doing well of course I'm preaching to the choir here you know by um, by it, it, you know allowing Satan 
right into the front you know doors of our houses and living rooms and uh, we, we do it right. you know in so many different ways uh, certainly the pornography issue is getting right back into the household but you know he's uh, uh, he's out there he's very active and people are becoming less and less fearful of him and that's a very bad trend because if we're not fearing him he's getting power over us and uh, you know it's not just the mm. people who play to him it affects our culture and the culture of course moving into the darkness with everybody giddy turning on their pink lights and <laughs> doing all of these things uh, pretty soon those lights are going to get deep red mm. and that of course you know the the fine color of the Satanist ritual. Right. Anyway, I, I rest my case. Right, exactly. <laughs> and tying right into that, wow. and we had talked about this a little bit up in what's going on in Canada as a precursor to what's happening yeah. here in the United States, but uh, Ross Dothat had written an article in the Times and about the fact, and this was mm. kind of written about that article, but that in uh, having to do with euthanasia becoming sacred in Canada, quote unquote, that uh, there were 10, 000, over 10,000 legal uh, medically assisted deaths in 2021, up from zero in 2015. And it's being pushed. Yeah. Uh, there was a video that was pushing it saying suicide is, in many cases, a noble and heroic act, and it should be therefore have state sanction. And, they go, and he goes on to say in this video, the Romans had a concept of patriotic suicide, in which death was preferable to dishonor. And despite two millennia of Christian influence, we can still be inspired by this particular idea. And they go on to say, the person writing against this says, that these kinds of things always need kind of a state religion to animate them. And they say, if Christianity won't go along, something else will be chosen, whether it's New Age paganism or classic pagan stoicism, which I know you always are concerned about that aspect of stoicism out there and it will tend to sacralize oh, yeah. uh, exactly this kind of alleged mercy killing. Well, you know, Walker Percy a long time ago in that great book, The Second Coming, I think it was The, uh, uh, the Second Coming, yeah, mm -hmm. um, when he uh, you know, portrayed Will Barrett's father uh, as your classic stoic who kind of had that expression that he would keep saying and it would keep repeating in Will Barrett's mind and it was better to be dead than the living dead. Mm -hmm. So at one point where he thought, well, I just don't have any, you know, you know, the, I'm not at my optimum anymore athletically, you know, mentally, I've, you know, I've lost a few shades here. And of course, you know, he, he tries to not only kill himself, uh, but tries to kill his son, Will. And so this, of course, affects him for the rest of his life. But the fact is, absolutely, it is the Stoic, a uh, classic mm -hmm. pagan Stoic philosophy. But and underlying it, I, I don't have to say, uh, is a philosophy that clearly does not value life, doesn't see the intrinsic value of anyone, where you're going to always have to prove yourself mm -hmm. by what you can deliver and contribute to the economy and to the society. You're going to have to bring out your resume to keep justifying mm -hmm. your existence. Now, all I can say is, if you want a society like that, be careful what you want, just like those Israelites in the desert. We want a king. Be careful what you're asking for, because, of course, you just might get it, and you might get the society of extrinsic worth. 
And if you do that, when you don't have any intrinsic work worth left, then I want you to read really carefully Machiavelli's Prince, because he tells you the ultimate result. The Prince starts off with Machiavelli basically saying, look, people have no intrinsic worth or integrity. You gotta govern them from outside. So what must the prince do? Use any means at his disposal. Terror, mm -hmm. death, torture, you know, lying, deceit, everything that you can use, anything, you know, to maintain the public order against this essentially worthless, disordered human beings who need to be controlled from without. And who better than the prince? Mm -hmm. Who better in our day than the federal government? Right. There you go. So, I mean, uh, basically, I mean, you, we're, we're right back to uh, give yourself over to pagan ideology. You're going to have to take everything that the Romans did. Mm -hmm. You want to, you know, uh, put that up as, as a great thing. You want to put the Colosseum up there with it as the great thing. You, you know, by the way, the Japanese kamikazes used the very same logic to justify uh, their activities and the suicide of all of their population. They were told, it is the very same words, it is better to die than to endure dishonor. Die rather than surrender. I mean, campaign after campaign, there'd be, you know, 17 prisoners taken, 30,000 killed. Right. You know, you look at that and you go, this is ridiculous. What was that, the Bushido you know, the code, civilian right? right. The Bushido code. Well, it wasn't really Bushi, uh, Bushido. It was a, a, you know, a strange aberration of uh, right. Bushido. And then, you know, civilians diving off cliffs, you know, and right. everything else. Children and everything, throwing grenades at little kids so that they... You know that they would die rather than be dishonored if an American uh, right. took Okinawa, them prisoner. Like, no, that was uh, observed, Okinawa right. and right. and uh, uh, what you call it? Um, uh, Iwo? Um, Saipan. Saipan. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. And of yeah. course, uh, kamikaze means what? Divine wind. So I mean, that was I think yeah. the yeah. understanding what sort of oh, tied yeah. into the sacralized it. Oh. Right. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. Sacred suicide, oh yes, what a contradiction that is or should be to any Christian who affirms intrinsic dignity and the, the, the love and lovability, of, of unique love and lovability of every human being. I mean, a Christian cannot be helped but be repulsed mm -hmm. by this obvious oxymoron. Yet, at the same time, we have a secular culture that now comes out and th throws these euphemisms out or throws these, you know, huge contradictions, these oxymorons, you know, sacred suicide, et cetera, sacred duty to the state, sacred patriotism. We've all heard the same things. But isn't it interesting how now, in the secular liberal culture uh, that's there, what's being extolled is this kind of pagan philosophy that basically is, uh, you know, is telling people you have a patriotic mm -hmm. duty to commit suicide. Right. There you go. That's the ideal we really want to get back to. The ideal of extrinsic worth we really want to get back to. Don't recognize the unique goodness, lovability, right. love, and transcendence of every human being. Of course, the state is much mightier. The, 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 the patriotic duty to the state 
state, which is so much more mighty than the intrinsic dignity of every human being, than the individual rights of every human being. The individual must be subordinated at all turns and at every corner to the state, the great totalitarian enterprise. Thank you, Marx. But thank you, Hitler and Stalin. And thank you, every totalitarian despot. Thanks for that great advice. Yes, I think we should be listening to these incredibly good Canadian philosophers right. there, re representing yeah. their secular state with such incredibly deep and penetrating articulation. And we could throw what in a uh, wonderful, wonderful Mao and Pol Pot yeah. uh, into the mix there. Too. Oh, absolutely! Throw them into Pol the pot, pot to so the bit. max. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> As it were. One final uh, story. Interesting article by our great friend, uh, Archbishop Chaput, retired uh, of Philadelphia. Oh, and he was guy. asked about uh, mm -hmm. Pope Benedict, the passing of uh, Cardinal uh, Pell as well, uh, two great losses yeah. to the church. Uh, and, he, and he made the point that, because people were talking about polarization inside the church, and he makes the point that speaking the truth is polarizing. It got Jesus killed. Bad people with bad ideas dislike good people trying to do good things. And that counts for the contempt, resentment, and outright lying directed at both men over the years, and talking about those two, including from people who describe mm -hmm. themselves as Christian, people within the church themselves. Goes on to say, turning serious doctrinal concerns into a personality debate is just a convenient way of evading the substantive issues that need to be addressed. It also shows a complete ignorance of church history, popes come and go, even the great ones, just like bishops and everyday Christians. What matters? Whatever the cost is fidelity to Catholic teaching, and no excuses need to be offered in pursuing that. I completely right. agree. I cannot add a single thing to that incredibly good statement. Right. And we got to speak the truth. We have to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. And right now, the Catholic Church is the only authentic interpreter of Jesus Christ's moral teachings that I can see. And I, as I've said, you know, in several programs before, my new book, Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church, proves this with one secular survey after the next. I mean, if you just look at the archives of general psychiatry, just look at the university studies, you look at the Gallup and Pew studies, just look at them. All they scream out is, if you're going to disobey Jesus Christ's teaching as authentically interpreted by the Catholic Church, get ready for triple the amount of depression, triple the amount of anxiety, five times the amount of panic attacks, six to uh, seven times uh, the rate of suicidal contemplation, you know, 20% uh, uh, in the case of transgender uh, sexual reassignment surgery, 20 times, not 20%, 20 times increase in suicides, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Get ready. It's not just your spiritual life that, that's going to suffer. And, oh, that will suffer. You will find yourself not praying, not going to church, not doing any scripture reading. And suddenly, atheism and secularism will sound so good to you. And in, in addition to the, uh, the lack of, uh, of, of uh, spiritual uh, health, you're going to find yourself uh, with a terrible decline in emotional health, terrible declines in marital and relational health. And all I can tell you is, if you look at the truth, if you just take a trust Jesus Christ, he is the risen one. 
He's the risen one in glory. For two, uh, two millennia, uh, you know, his apostles have been doing miracles in his name, and they have been literally exercising demons in his name, and they have been literally through that truth helping people not just to save their own emotional health, but to definitely get into heaven through his name and through his teaching. What are we dealing with here? You want to, you know, I don't think I have the capacity to exceed the Catholic Church or to change mm -hmm. the Catholic Church's moral teaching. Quite frankly, uh, you know, uh, you can classify us as anachronistic. You can say mm -hmm. we're not in the mainstream. And as Arch, uh, Archbishop Chaput just said, we're not in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And what does it matter whether we're in the mainstream or not? The fact is, the truth is the truth is the truth. It's borne out in every kind of psychiatric study, medical study, university study, sociological study, again and again and again and again. Uh, and all I can say is that's because we don't have, uh, you know, the, the pathway to the truth. The Catholic Church does. Mm -hmm. Individually, we can't just take out our Bibles and become a truth unto ourselves. Because, you know, at least if you're anything like me, there's the old Spitzerian principle of infinite rationalizations. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you're going to find that you have limited amounts of knowledge and limited amounts of, you know, capacity to be objective in any situation. I mean, you're just going to have plain, you know, frontal lobe stuff. You know, my judgment's not that great. I'd rather leave it to the collective judgment of the people who have been given those charisms by God through the, uh, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit in the Catholic Church. I mean, I just, just right. don't the think last, I can over, do better. Over the last 2,000 years, too. So, uh, you know. Yeah, over the last 2,000 years. Time there. You know, so we're gonna, during which the gates of the netherworld have not prevailed against it. Right. So let's, <laughs> uh, I'm going to prevail upon, upon you right now to get, get to a couple of questions here before we hit the break coming Absolutely. up in a few minutes. Uh, dear Father Spitzer, I love the show, but I think you and Doug are a bit hard on Thomas Malthus. I don't think he wanted to see mass starvation, but with the limited data available in his time, he wrote what he feared would happen. Those who intentionally have got it wrong are Pearl Ehrlich, which we've talked about, and Yuvali yeah. Harari. Uh, uh, Ehrlich uh -huh. is bad. Harari is much nastier with his talk of the need to deal with useless eaters. Dennis. Yeah, Dennis, I think you're uh, probably right on. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think we were being too hard on Thomas Malthus. We were talking about more Malthusians, but if I did get a little hard on Thomas Malthus, uh, the only reason I did was because he was an Anglican clergyman. And after, uh, he was an economist as well, but, mm -hmm. you know, after all, let's face facts, as an Anglican clergyman, he should have been at least a little more attentive uh, to the fact uh, that... Uh, uh, of what Charles uh, Dickens points out in that uh, Christmas Carol, mm. uh, you know, we we just can't be ridding ourselves of the surplus population. Mm -hmm. You know, if they die, so let them. Mm. It'll get rid of our surplus population. And now that kind of insensitivity to the intrinsic dignity and worth, the unique goodness and and lovability and transcendence of every human being. If if you if you drop that, if you don't have that, if you can't empathize with anybody there might be something a little bit wrong. Mm. And so, uh, you know, there's a little, there's something going off there. And once the empathy uh, card, uh, you know, decreases to a, a, a minimum, you know, you're, you're, 
getting pretty close to sociopathology, you know. A sociopath is not the kind of thing we want to aspire to as a culture. But you're right. I think the Malthusians are, as Jesus might say, guiltier right. of uh, the far greater sin. Right, yeah, and, and sometimes early on people don't understand the full ramifications. What about uh, Yuval yeah. Harari? I've mm -hmm. heard that name before. Are you familiar with him? Um, I'm not familiar with him, but okay. uh, I'll have to take a look and, uh, and uh, see what you're saying because it sounds like, uh, uh, you know, your typical Peter Singer deal, right. uh, you know, who can bring up those very same kinds of images, you know, right. uh, those hemophiliacs. And now it's extended. I'm, I'm glad to tell the, the public out there, blind people need to be uh, euthanized too, uh, you know, before the age of two. Uh, if it looks like they got the gene, uh, as I do, for RP, uh, that you, you're going to start going blind, uh, mm -hmm. you know, or be blind when you're 65 or 70 years old, uh, you know, yeah, what's Sorry, the point? Huh? Yeah, this going to be a hard yeah. life. What's the point? What's the point? You right? may as well be euthanized. We need the Oberman to, to, to be there. We want the ones who yeah. are strong. We'll have a life worth living, right? Exactly. Worthy of existence. Yeah, that's right. And if they hit 65, start going blind. You right, know? yeah. Well, They're pretty worthless. So yeah. you gotta got to yeah. get them when they're two. Right. We get, yeah, that's the Bible according to Heinrich Himmler. Uh, we can get that uh, yeah, exactly. version of exactly what's supposed exactly. to happen. Okay. Oh, Bef yeah, exactly. Uh, the uh, final solution. That's right. That's right. And you'll be in it. Uh, so here's the, yeah. another question quick, if we can get it to uh, for a break. Uh, dear Father Spencer, I'm reading Christ mm -hmm. versus Satan in our daily lives in the section on vanity. You talk uh. about social media, quote-unquote, groupthink and its influence on vanity in our culture. Yeah. Would this group think also influence young people to embrace transgenderism? Are these individuals not trying to make gods of themselves by changing their very nature? Is it also not the height of vanity for the 1% to insist that 99% deny science and religion except their chosen identities and preferred pronouns? Mary. Well, Mary, that's a very interesting question because in point of fact, what statistics are showing right now is that the rate of transgenderism without any other significant sociologically recognizable cause, the rates of, of uh, you know, sexual reassignment surgery are really going up tremendously, but, you know, compared to previous times, but we really don't know why other than the fact that you know they're learning about this in social media and they sort of want to be recognized as different as themselves as having a unique identity in that respect it's kind of you could say well it kind of falls under the category of vanity I, I want to be special I want to be recognized as special the problem right. of course is that these poor little people do not recognize is down the pike right uh, you know, remember, their frontal lobe is not developed fully until they're about 25 years old. And certainly at 13 and 14, when they want to begin gender-affirming therapy, mm -hmm. their frontal lobe is definitely not developed. Highly under, that's, that's the center of judgment and so forth uh, in the brain. Now, if you're looking at this and saying, this is a really good idea mm -hmm. to give 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds gender-affirming therapy, hormones to block their normal transition into adolescence, et cetera, et cetera, so that to prepare them for uh, a sexual reassignment surgery, if you're saying that this is a good idea, all I can say is look at Great Britain. 
because the, the suicide rate in Britain has skyrocketed the same as Sweden, has right. skyrocketed the same as the United States for that population, those with sexual reassignment surgery, 10 years after the surgery. Now, don't get fooled by these uh, little polls that come out from the New York Times where, you know, they ask a person after the sexual mm. uh, reassignment surgery, are you happy with your surgery? Right. <laughs> well, of course they're going to say I'm happy with my surgery, but but you know none of these you know polls that are going on are are looking five ten years right. down the pike, because five years down the pike is when you're going to normally get recurrence of the anxieties that you had beforehand, and then ten years down the pike when you have the buyer's uh, regret when you basically can't detransition back because you've already mutilated yourself. That's when you get the 20 times increase in suicides. Right. I mean, 1.6% of suicides in the general population is discouraging enough. But to get 32, 33% suicides in that specific population 10 years after the sexual reassignment surgery, we ought to be so scared of that statistic, so scared to let any child go near that kind of a statistic, you know, that basically a one-third chance, uh, you know, Absolutely. they're going to want to, they will commit mm -hmm. suicide. I mean, what is, what is wrong with us? We're going to let them make this decision when their frontal lobe is, when they still want to get an adolescent identity and a specialness about life. We're going to let them use sexual reassignment as a means of doing that. Maybe it is a little bit vain. Maybe it is immature. Maybe it is a bunch of propaganda where they're told they're going to be absolutely happy if they, and it's going to be the end of their problems if they just get to the opposite sex, et cetera, et cetera. And instead, All as, these as, things, right. and as you said, and we're seeing as we go to the break, the idea that really mm -hmm. people are coming out more and more now being obviously yeah. claiming that exactly what you're saying and trying to warn people yeah. to be very, very careful. With that, we're going to take a break. Much more yep. with Father Spitzer. He's always got more to say. Stay with us. back here in Father Spitzer's universe. It's always great to see you and stay with us. We're talking about pride from Father's book, Christ versus Satan, in our daily lives and talking about his new book on morality as well. A couple of questions before we get to the book we're talking about on pride. Dear Father Spitzer, I've decided to enter the Catholic Church. My husband is very much against this to the point that we have now separated. Wow. I felt such joy at becoming Catholic. Oh. Now feel a lot of pain that this is harming my marriage. I don't know if I should proceed with my plans or keep my husband happy instead. Deb, interesting. Well, Deb, if you really are convinced that Jesus Christ um, is speaking through the Catholic Church, through the Holy Spirit to the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church is speaking authentically uh, in its liturgy, in its spiritual life, in its moral teachings, etc., if that's where you are, I mean, the idea that, you know, he's going to separate from you uh, because of that conviction on your part, I mean, that's nothing more than kind of a, a horrible blackmail. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, to resort to that kind, it's one thing to be upset and angry. Uh, you know, I've 
experienced some of that myself. You know, not everybody was happy with my decision uh, to become a priest and all. But the, 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 the main thing, though, is, you know, it's one thing that, you know, to be able to work it out, but the idea of taking a radical step of I'm going to separate from you if you're going to become Catholic, um, you know, I, I would say that that's, that's uh, right. you know, it's, it's a radical form of blackmail. Now, I would try to negotiate with him in some way and just say, well, look, you know, I'll, I'll try and, and uh, you know, do some prayers with you uh, in your church, um, you know, on an occasional Sunday or uh, whatever it may be. But I, I would try to come to the table uh, you know, to him with some things, but I would just say, hey, you know, this this is unfair. You know, I mean, this is my own conscience. This is where I'm going. This is what I really believe is the truth. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, why why would you do this? It's, it's like, and you know, a form of blackmail. Right. You know, let's just, you yeah. know, get back together. You wonder with, and with, with try this, to, right. Yeah. What it, I mean, what is the, I guess the question which isn't clear there is what is the issue about that? What is it yeah. that's so upsetting yeah. about her becoming, you know, sometimes people, as, as yeah. you know, somebody, one will convert and that person will say, fine, I'll go to mass on my own, etc. And many times, years later, uh, the other spouse yeah. then, you know, ends up becoming Catholic as well. Yeah, no, that's the normal way it goes. Uh, you know, if somebody's really upset, uh, you know, after a while, they, you know, if the relationship stays in whole and there's people reaching out mm -hmm. and trying to reconnect and things of that nature, it generally, um, you know, turns out to be right. pretty uh, amicable in the long run. But, you know, when you just say, look, I'm, I'm going to separate from you, uh, this is intolerable because you're going to mass? Right. You know, I mean, what is the, you're right, what is the real issue? Right. Just can't be going to mass. It can't be listening to the Catholic Church's teaching or something. There has to be something else, right. uh, you know, that's, that's causing this, you know, incredible rift. I mean, wow, right. what, a, what an action to take. So um, I would just try and reach out to him and yeah, say, look, what think. can I do to, you know, without, you know, forcing me to right. go against my conscience. Something that's important to me. You love me. Uh, you would think you'd yeah. have some openness to working yeah. with me on it. One last question before we yeah. get to the book. Uh, Dear Father Spitzer, I struggle with repeated sins involving anger or lust. I go to confession very often. I'm trying to live a more prayerful life. I know that I love the Lord and that He loves me, but I also deeply fear going to hell because I know that these sins I'm committing are mortal. My first reaction after I fall is to go to confession as soon as I possibly can, and I often find myself going once a week. Am I being too scrupulous, Andrew? Well, Andrew, here's what I would say is, you know, first of all, uh, just remember those three conditions for a mortal sin. Um, you know, especially that third condition, full consent of the will. Sufficient reflection may be there. Of course, you know it's grave matter. So, you know, do you really have no impediments to the free use of your will? Mm -hmm. But my thought is once a week for confession, um, if that's what it takes, there's a grace every time you go, every time you make that firm purpose of amendment, every time, right? So when you, you go, even though you're confessing the same sins, 
please, please don't give up on that because you are given a grace. And I tell you, if you just keep working at it, it does get easier. The, the fact, though, is, you know, sometimes it's, you know, so much stimulus is put out there, especially, you know, in the, the category of lust, you know, I don't have mm -hmm. to tell you, pornography is everywhere present. Right. It might be good to get some software to put on your computer right. so you don't have to, um, you know, so when you, you feel like, you know, you want to get some of that, it blocks it automatically or to get a group. Um, you know that, that there's basic you know group software you can use mm -hmm. where people can just sort of see what you're looking at and if you're starting to go into that category right. of of um, viewing they can actually point right. it out and and it's called you know a responsibility group or a uh, you know responsibility partnership or co-responsibility partnership but there, there's several of them there in my book moral wisdom of the catholic church i i have a list of them uh, in that section on pornography, right. but also you know the same thing with anger. I, I mean it's 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 hard to control it all the time, especially when you're stressed out. And again, is it a mortal sin uh, to get angry? Well, it may not be. <laughs> you know, if stress and lots of stress in your job situation or mm -hmm. exhaustion or whatever it may be. Um, you know, may be an impediment to the free use of the will. Mm -hmm. And so again, you know, what kind of anger? Is this like, you know, um, you know, bolting anger? Uh, or is it just like anger where you're expressing dissatisfaction or frustration? Uh, that's not necessarily a mortal sin. But, you know, who, I, I can't yeah. judge it, you know, obviously without talking uh, to you about it. But the point is that um, hang in there. That weekly right. confession is a good thing. It's a very good thing. And it doesn't matter whether you're confessing the same sins again and again. You're still getting that grace. Right. And eventually you're going to get that a uh, little bit of that stick to itness, yeah, a little bit of that resolve to get some software put on your computer, right. a little bit of that resolve maybe even to join a uh, you know co-responsibility or an accountability uh, group with right. some folks that can help you maintain uh, it gets easier. It, it just right. does over the course of time. But uh, I think the confessional grace is a right. is a big part of it, and that firm purpose of amendment that you have when you go to confession right. um, is a is a big part of it. And it's that, it, and that's an indication of that person's own humility that they realize they have a problem yeah. and, and they need to deal with it, which is one, <clears throat> a mm -hmm. big step towards uh, you yeah. Know, towards dealing with that. And I always think of Mother Angelica years ago, yeah. used to always talk about the old idea of avoiding occasions of sin. If you know there are particular yeah. things that you're, uh, are, you're weak with, uh, the best thing to do is try to yeah. avoid them to begin with. You know, don't put yourself exactly. in that position if you can. Nip it in the bud. Uh, right, and if you find that, that's the uh, Barney yeah. Fife approach. Exactly, you're very popular down here in the South. Uh, you nip it in the bud. So uh, yeah. let's move to your book uh, on uh, talking about Satan's tactics, page 329. One of the things you, you talk about and uh, the idea of Hitler and, and his involvement, you mentioned him earlier with yeah. the uh, whole idea of getting rid of people and, and, and kind of life not worth living. Mm -hmm. And you talk about the idea of using Nietzsche's view of the Superman's transcendence of good and evil, the, the will to power to yeah. justify his negation of good and evil, empathy, care for the weak. Because if there's no good or evil, then anything's possible, right? 
similar to what uh, Steve Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's right. You know, the, to relegate all of good and evil to, uh, you know, uh, you know, anachronistic uh, categories, things of the past which have no relevance today. Well, the minute you start doing something like that, you you just took ripped out the guts of your moral compass. Mm -hmm. And once you've done that, I mean, you know, you're just giving yourself over to the evil spirit to d lead you by the nose anywhere you want to go. Because you, your conscience, even though your conscience may be screaming out, if you don't believe in good or evil as having a significance in and of themselves, mm -hmm. and you don't believe that God, of course, is pro-good and against evil, I mean, you are really vulnerable to the dark side and will ultimately come under control uh, of the dark side. I'm not saying, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, Nietzsche's insanity was a sign of this, but he sure did go crazy, uh, you know, in the old padded cell at the mm -hmm. end. and. And um, he was raving uh, for quite some time. Uh, you know, his sister took care of him, but, uh, you know, he was definitely, you know, it, it wasn't just brought on by the diseases he had. It, mm. There was something in that philosophy which truly left him open to a terrible and ugly darkness. And, um, you know, uh, as brilliant as he was, mm. you can't do without good and evil. You can't do without a little humility. And the Superman philosophy right. is really antithetical to humility. And the beyond good and evil philosophy is really antithetical uh, to uh, empathy, respect for human beings, and listening to your conscience. Right. And so, <clears throat> you know, when you look at it, I mean, uh, alas, uh, Hitler bought the package. But Hitler wanted to buy the package. Mm. He wanted, you know, uh, there was a wonderful book that came out a long while back called um, The Philosophers of Adolf Hitler, or uh, Hitler's Philosophers, or whatever it was. Uh, but it was a, a very good book, you know, mm. and there was Hegel and, and uh, Nietzsche, right. you know, to, to lead up the pack, because, and Schopenhauer, of course, too. Right. I mean, all of them provided some ammunition uh, to justify um, uh, Hitler's desire to become Messiah. And, his, uh, and he, you know, along in a sense, with the occult. I yeah, mean, go, there was an occult aspect yeah. of uh, Nazism, too. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Himmler was much more uh, into the occult stuff mm -hmm. than, than, uh, than Hitler was. Uh, he was the head of the SS, right, mm -hmm. uh, uh, overseeing much of the uh, program to... Yeah, the final solution. Uh, you know, right. a, a final solution, gas six million... Uh, Jews and many other people as well, and so. Uh, but that was uh, his. He definitely had the Hitler had a good deal of the occult in him, but he was self-proclaimed messianic, you know, in his uh, pretensions in every way, and so. Uh, well, you uh, say alas, here, right. you know, when pride gets right, yeah. You say Hitler wants nothing. So, well, this person writing H. Murray. Uh, yeah. He talked about, based yeah. on OSS intelligence reports, said that Hitler wants nothing so much as to arrive at the state where he can commit crimes without guilt feelings. But despite yes, his boast of having transcended good, this was not possible. Yeah. Yeah, he just couldn't. That's why he wound up having nightmares. I mean, lots of nightmares. Mm -hmm. And he had this uh, doctor uh, that would just shoot him up with all kinds of barbiturates in the right. evening and shoot him up with all kinds of uppers, right? Various stimulants and right, so forth right, uh, in yeah. the morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, amphetamines in the morning. 
And so he was upper, downer, upper, downer every single day. And of course, uh, he got weaker and weaker and weaker and nuttier and nuttier and nuttier. I mean, at one point when you really have, you know, the great, you know, Field Marshal Rommel mm -hmm. basically saying, I think I got to get on the side <laughs> of the people who need to get him uh, out of the, the way, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, it, it's probably pretty clear um, he was, uh, you know, as, as insane as the day is long. Right. So, um, and he was insane as the day is long. I mean, history has certainly proven that a million times. Right. But he had certainly gotten to that point, and and I think he just could not sleep at all, um, even though he was being given these, you know, very big injections of of barbiturates and so forth and so on. By well, his, if you get that, I forget uh, who whatever, the name whatever sleep you get doesn't really yeah. do much for you. I mean, it doesn't make you yeah. feel rested. So, uh, No, because you're having nightmares the whole right, time. Yeah. Uh, exactly. You, you say elsewhere here, pride tends to grow first in the mind, then in ambition and will, and then in dominating yeah. and destructive power. Yeah. Yeah, it has to find its fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So you begin to start dreaming about it, right? About getting this power and being in not just the center of attention. That's what the vain person wants. The, the, uh, the, the Hitlerian type wants the power uh, because he likes to control. Mm -hmm. He likes to dominate. He likes to be called God. He likes to be called, you know, almost the sacred, sacred, what we were talking about earlier, Führer, and so forth and so on. And so he's, uh, in a sense, uh, desirous of taking the place of God. He's desirous of being the center of power. He truly has, you know, the messianic uh, impulse, as well as, and since I am the most powerful guy, <laughs> then please worship me as well. Acknowledge what a powerful, wonderful man I am. I mean, Hitler would spend hours in front of the mirror, right? right you know, right. just admiring himself, you know, and, you know, he would spend hours with uh, uh, his uh, coterie, uh, you know, who would, you know, practicing speeches, and they'd all, you know, uh, you know, say, oh, you, Hitler, you are the greatest. And of course, he did have almost that mesmerizing, you know, hypnotic effect on the crowds and, you know, people practically swooning at the, you know, these, these violent words that, uh, you know, he was expressing these terrible, vile prejudices against everybody. And people were just swooning at, mm. quote unquote, you know, the great Fuhrer, his wisdom. You know, it's, it's like today, you know, the Satanists are going to give abortions. Well, at least they're telling right. exactly what they think. You know, I mean, there's no well, doubt about it. Right. But well, all we, the euphemisms right. we have. Right. And, and, yeah. and, and I, we see it today, which is the idea that people want somebody else to blame. It's not my fault that I'm in this situation yeah. in my life. It's somebody else's fault. They did this to me or they're taking away stuff that should rightfully yeah. belong to me. And, uh, you know, it, it makes oh, yeah. people feel better. Uh, they're part of the group now. Also, yeah, that, a, uh, that kind of Gnostic right. kind of uh, sense of which makes me feel special on top of it. So it satisfies oh, yeah. a couple of my needs, right? Oh yeah, no, he, you know, he knew how to reel that in. And Josef Goebbels, who was his basic, you know, propaganda minister, really, I guess you'd call mm. it that. I mean, he was, he would flatter Hitler and just bolster him up and he'd 
give him new lines to come up with and you know and he'd say gosh you know you're like a god you're like a god and of course hitler oh i am a god i am a right. god you know practically you know right. i'm the guy and uh, he'd buy you know the goebbels lines and of course we all know after you know hitler shot himself and you know had his mistress take the poison uh, that uh, goebbels and his wife killed all six of their kids Children, by poisoning yeah. them right. and then k killed themselves oh, yeah right. I mean, this is the, uh, this is, if you're going to make uh, Hitler your god, be careful. Right. You know, well, you, I, we you see probably that. wind up I, like Joseph Goebbels. I, I think we see that sometimes <laughs> in, in, in this fame world we live in, this kind of mirroring where people around famous people tell them yeah. whatever they want to believe, you know, just reflect back oh, who absolutely. they are. Oh, you know, and, and you end up with people yeah. who, whose lives fall apart later because there wasn't anybody, you know, kind of the Elvis effect to say, hey, wait a second, you really need to stop because mm -hmm. nobody wants to be wished out of the inner circle. Yeah, but of course you can't do that when you've got a complete megalomaniac mm -hmm. on your hands who's filled with messianic pretensions because right. he'll kill you. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, he would have. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. You also say uh, on page 333, the proud man undermines and injures others for the sheer pleasure of injuring them. It makes him feel superior, kind mm -hmm. of like what you were talking about. Yeah, I have power over you and I can torture you and kill you. I mean, and it just gives, it's like the sociopath, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, who just gets such a pleasure out of seeing people suffer, an innocent person suffer. I mean, you know, th at that point, you know, it's not that you just lack empathy, it's you have, you know, anti-empathy, an anti-Christ, an anti-love uh, that's going on there. Not just unlove, unempathetic. It, it is definitely, you know, an anti-particle, as it were. It's, uh, it's basically at that juncture, your pleasure comes from, not from loving another human being or empathizing with them, but by dominating them to the point, you know, and, and controlling them to the point where you're actually ordering their killing and watching them suffer so is, and, you know, Is that a form of sadism then? I mean, is that like being sadistic yeah, uh, well, in some ways? Well, sadism you know? is, sure, it's part yeah. of it for yeah. sure, right. but it's, you know, it's like when Augustine said his, you know, his great turnaround moment was he says, you know, I was just picking those pears and, you know, I was just, you know, throwing the pears, you know, uh, you know, into the trees and just wasting them and so forth. I didn't steal the pears in order to eat them mm -hmm. for something like that. I was stealing the pears in order to destroy that person's property, mm -hmm. to destroy what that person wanted. That's what made me feel really good. And so Augustine now is looking back in the Confessions, he's looking at that and he's going, you know, I think people can actually do evil just to do evil. Right. Not, you know, he disagreed with, with a lot of the Aristotelians and said, well, we're doing evil so that we can get something from it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we could get some pears to eat or we could get, you know, something else that we want, you know, or even vengeance, I could mm -hmm. get vengeance. But the fact that you just want to take all that guy's pears and just right. toss them and destroy them just for the sheer delight of being destructive right. and evil and disappointing this guy. That's, 
as the cousin said. Right, absolutely. Uh, that's something right. wrong with me. Absolutely. You know? And so, unfortunately, uh, we have to disappoint yeah. our audience because once again, our time has run out, Father. So if you'll give us Ooh. your blessing on the way out absolutely. the door, that'd be great. And may Almighty God bless all of you and send His Holy Spirit down upon you to give you that great sense of His love, that great sense of responsibility, that great respect for the moral order that He has conveyed to us through Christ and His church. And may He also send you that spirit to inspire, guide, and protect you as you reflect on this and help to lead others in your family into the fullness of life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Spitzer. Always great. We shall see you next week. And don't forget that Father Spitzer's books and DVDs are naturally available through our EWTM Religious Catalog. There's a whole panoply of videos. Next week we'll be answering some of your viewers' questions on the program. The bookmark uh, for me this weekend is Real Life, Real Issues, Real Solutions by Father Cedric Pasenia, who you see many times on the network. And we've got the World Day of the Sick Healing Mass in honor of Our Lady of Lords, live from St. Simon and Jude Cathedral in Phoenix, Arizona, Saturday, February 4th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Check that out and check us out next time on Father Spitzer's Universe. I'm Doug Keck. See you then.